Welcome to the Jerry Z Podcast. Uh, very regular thing, I guess, us having three people. I got Matt Costa. I got Dave Shields. Uh, this week, we all did some winning, kind of, which is sort of incredible. But uh, before that, I guess, got to talk about our sponsor, Heavy Play. Check them out, uh, Heavy Play. LLC on all the social medias. Go to their website, look at their stuff. They are a card gaming accessories brand that is actually bringing you innovation into the space. It is great. Their stuff is durable, high quality. They have a magnet system that allows you to attack, uh, attach your deck box to your dice tray, to your playmat. Playmat is the MVP, best possible thing. I used it every round last weekend. It was incredible. Uh, they're awesome. Use code G3RRYT for 10% off. Uh, boys, hello. 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 We did some RCQs last weekend. Dave, you did not have an event. Is that what happened? I, I had an RCQ, but this was my last weekend off before I returned to work and full real-world adult life. So I stayed home like a responsible dad slash husband and helped my wife knock off some to-do list items. And it sounds like you probably needed to do that, too, given that work kind of kicked your ass today. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that was inevitable. I also dabbled in the vintage showcase, but I did oh. That was not something I put a lot of effort into. And let me tell you, man, I wish I had more time to play more vintage because that's like a different speed and a lot of fun. And I had a blast. It's a very different speed. Yeah. I mean, I felt like I was doing really well and like won a bunch of games and felt really clever, but I just went two and two. What'd but you play? I played um, Mono White Initiative. Oh, and come on. I had a blast. I couldn't believe how deep the games were. I was like blown away. Listen, you won an open with Death and Taxes. Uh, that deck has been labeled Mono White Control, effectively. I think that that moniker is apt. And you are normally not like a white weenie guy or whatever. So like, I I'm not surprised by that because the initiative stuff is all just inherently powerful. It's just good magic cards. Well, that, and you know, my whole, like how I get chores done is I play an aggro deck in a challenge. True. Right. So that's kind of like, that fits my theme, except my rounds this with this deck took a lot longer. Cause I had a couple of two turn games where I went in the tank for like five minutes on one turn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of lines. Yeah. Uh, with, yeah, on turn one, when you have like, I don't know, five mana available to you or whatever, it's like, oh, crap, what am I doing? Yeah. And spoiler, that I, I chose to play a three drop that took the initiative on turn one on the play, and my alternative line was playing a Thalia. And if I played Thalia, I would have won the game. But hmm. I didn't. So I spent hmm. five minutes and still made, I'm not going to say the wrong decision, but let's say the decision that would not, that did not lead to me winning the game. Yeah. But I really enjoyed Vintage, and I was uh, super interested in uh, playing it more, for whatever that's worth. One of the funnest facts about me, in my opinion, is that I used to pay my rent with Vintage tournaments. Yeah. I like you were vintage. a ringer of all sorts at different points in your life. Yeah, well, you know, I, I dabble. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry the showcase did not go well. It does sound like it was fun. Well, I, I think that was like a pretty like above expectations. I had fun. I got to play four rounds. I got my chores done. Dope. And literally all of my friends won RCQs all at the same time. Yeah, me, Matt, uh, your brother, Brian. Uh, who else? 
well, I guess the three of you, which is like three of the five horses that I had playing RCQs. And considering three of them were at the same one tournament, three seems to be like the absolute ceiling for expectations. Yeah. I guess mathematically it could have been four. But was it was it like Snook and Nico at Matt's or what? Yeah, Snook and Nico and Matt were all at the one in Boston area. And then you guys were divvied up. Yeah, I went to uh, the old the old hashtag gaming arena in Herndon, Virginia with Josh show. Always a good time. The store is really nice. Uh, they have like, you know, computer gaming chairs for all of their chairs, basically. Uh, and they have like a bar with food and like uh, they weren't doing feature matches this time. But one of the last ones I went to, they were streaming it, I guess. I don't know. Um, but they do like some like, random esports stuff, like a lot of Smash related things. And yeah, stores stores just really nice. And I like going there. And uh yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh where where was y'all's Matt? Uh mine was mine was at uh the infamous TJ Collectibles. Uh I guess TJ Cafe and Games now. They have a new location that they've had for the last few years. Um so the site of uh many, many New England PTQs for years and years. Uh had forty people, it was a two slaughter knew all week that me and snook and nico were gonna go snook made it sound like dave was on the fence although i it sounds like that was never really much of a possibility um but yeah it was it was good i i actually was i lost round two and the other two were both winning and nico at one point was 3-0 and i thought i was going to be the one on the sidelines watching them win the invite and then it just kind of played out the other way Oh no. So neither of them made top eight? No. Snook had like a um there was sort of a weird draw bracket situation where uh an X2 was gonna sneak in as a result, and Snook was basically one of three in my mind, like three people who was realistically playing to be the X2 who would make it. And he ended up getting tenth, which is kind of un- I guess kind of unlucky that, you know. It, it seemed like there were three people live and his breakers uh, were definitely not the worst going in, but they he he ended up in 10th. Yeah, well, that's rough. I'd rather be 10th than 9th, but sure. Yeah, I, I think it wasn't it. It didn't end up being like that close when it was said and done. But you know how these small tournaments are where people's breakers can swing by a lot over the course of a round just because everyone is played against the same pool of people yeah 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 there there are just also not that many rounds so it's just like a sizable percentage of what your breakers end up being are tied up in any given round like you you could shift like seven percent or something theoretically yeah exactly did snook end up playing blue black or he was playing a lot of nonsense throughout the week he played um he played Jerry's list of blue black. He was really not sure what he was going to play for most of the week. Jerry, you sent me and Dave a blue black list like sometime, I don't know, Thursday morning. And I sent that over to Snook and that's more or less what he ended up playing. <laughs> so, so that list was 62 cards in my it defense. It was 62 cards. <laughs> in my defense, the memory deluge found its way main deck somehow. Uh, it was never supposed to be there. So it was 61 cards. I also sent a deck list to another friend of mine today that was 61, where it's like, I add the stuff I want, and then I cut, and then it's really hard to cut the last card. So I'm just like, 
you know, fuck it, we bowl. Uh, 61, you figure it out. I think Snook played 60, though. Yes. So uh, once y'all mentioned that Snook had the blue-black deck, and, like, I was building blue-black and Boros for me and show, but I didn't know, like, who was going to play what, uh, I I had to figure out, like, what to do to get it down to 60, which was, like, cut the third, make disappear, and, you know, cut some other random card, whatever. So figured that out, got got that to work, uh, talked to Snook about it. Uh, so, yeah, I... When it, when it comes to actual game time, it is easier for me to make a decision versus like, I don't know. I want that third make disappear, man. Like, what the hell? Just be like everybody else and cut a land. No, dude, I'm only playing 25. <laughs> I didn't think I, you'd like that. I kind of wanted to play 26, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so Boros and Blue Black, pretty good distribution of cards for like two of the better decks in the format I think where it's like there's there's not really a whole lot of overlap I mean I guess both of them did want two Murex which created a little bit of a situation um, but that was pretty easy on me as a person with uh, one collection and show with not a ton of stuff but definitely some things that I had pilfered from him earlier so I was able to mostly put both of those decks together but was having some problems locating a few of the cards in the Boros deck, namely Sundown Pass and uh, some Gleeful Demolitions. So I ended up not playing Sundown Pass at all and playing a third Thran Portal, which is maybe one of the worst cards I've ever played with. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It, it's not Tarnished Citadel bad, but it's pretty bad. I mean, it makes City of Brass look good. I disagree. I don't know. Like it, it ETB's tapped after turn three, and it's it's also just like it becomes a mountain that deals you damage. Like that's yeah. it sucks, man. It's, it's really bad. But you know, you, you do what you got to do. You got to cast your spells in a timely manner, and uh, it was it was passable. It was serviceable. Whatever. Uh, it's, it's a rare too. I feel like this could be like a common. Well, yeah, it's it's like pretty like spiky and like downside looking for lower rarity, I think. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. It has a lot of words on it. Yeah, like you, you show that to any like newer player, they would happily put an evolving wilds in their deck instead. I mean, I would I'm not a newer player and I also would happily put an evolving wilds in my deck, but in in your Boros Convoke deck, well, did I mess that, up? That I could, might be a stretch, but I would at least be tempted. I could play Escape Tunnel, man. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if the gate type land type matters for you, this could affect that. Odds certainly doesn't, as far as I know, but yeah. uh I had I had some foils in my deck. Uh because a couple of the demolition well we ordered we ordered cards from a store, another store, Career Cavern. And they're like, hey, we have all of this stuff and they were missing maybe like 10% of it. It's like, oh, damn, that's that's really good. And then Cho just randomly was like, oh, hey, by chance, was any of that stuff foil? Because I'd prefer non-foil. And they're like, yes, these are foil. And it's just like a third of the list. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, shit. Um, okay, well, now how do we do things where the person playing Boros doesn't get DQ'd because it's just like, you know, the the Witchstalker Frenzies, the Lithomantic Barrages, and like three of the Gleeful Demolitions are foil and nothing else. 
And so I'm looking through my stuff. I have like a random foil Knight Errant of Eos. I grab some foil basics from Cho. I just try and like dirty up the deck a little bit. You know, some foil basics, some non. My deck was hideous. I'm, I'm kind of sad we didn't get a picture of it now. Uh, I'm, eh, I mostly still have it together. I don't know. But yeah, and then uh, Chicago is next weekend. I'm going. I don't think I'm going to play in much, if anything, but I did pre-order a bunch of stuff from Tales of Adventure. And they did have a lot of things. So I believe I'm going to be able to take all the foils out of my deck except for Gleeful Demolition. So I'm still kind of looking for those. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have cards on me. if, And I'm probably not going to be playing anything. So if anyone wants to borrow stuff, let me know. But uh, yeah, basically the morning of, I fill out the blue-black deck. Cho fills out the Boros deck. And we're then trying to figure out who plays what and neither of us really wants to play either deck so i don't know it was he was he, at some point he made some comment about like oh well at least my rounds will be done quicker and i was like oh good point and then i took the boros deck list from him <laughs> the trade-off is you have to play more of them yeah yeah so uh, I lost round two to, coincidentally, the other person who ended up getting the slot in the tournament, a uh, person playing ramp, who just kind of clowned me, wasn't close, and then was four and one in the six rounder, uh, was the person with the worst breakers, so I had to play, uh, I had to play against my friend, which sucked, so I had to beat them, knock them out, and then I ended up jumping to be the first seed uh, and Cho was 4-1. and one. He got to draw and then his breaker is dropped so he ended up being the 8th seed. Unfortunately. Not great. Brutal. Yeah. So uh, yeah, basically like before I can sit down, Cho has entered in the result of me winning because he does not care. And he knows that if you have the opportunity to sit down that you're going to enter the result of him winning. Yeah, he said that if I if I did that, he would just leave. I respect it. Taste of your own medicine. Yeah. So Joe was my my top eight match. He was playing blue black. My top four match was also blue black. Uh, and then finals was against the ramp player that beat me. But I played against like a pretty good mix of things. I played against like some reanimator deck round one, uh, ramp, Boros Mirror, Golgari at some point. Didn't play against Esper or Mono Red, but I don't know. Normal, fairly normal collection of decks. How'd Boros feel? There was one match where I played turn two Knight Errant twice, and I felt really bad. Because uh, it's just so much better than what everyone else is capable of doing, right? Like, their standard is like Pioneer, where there is not really a whole lot of cheating on mana going on. And so you just do this thing where you're like, oh, suddenly I have like seven power and I refilled my hand and whatever. It's, it's just obscene. It's out of control. Uh, so overall, I got to do that a decent amount. Novice Inspector certainly adds to the consistency of the deck by quite a bit. I played a couple of Yoshin Frontliners, which is a mopey card, but you need enough targets for Gleeful Demolition. And... Uh, Imidane's Recruiter is awesome. Uh, War Leader's Call was very, very good. And I am kind of like shocked that 
some people are just saying like it's not good or or you know not worth it or whatever. It's strange to me. Uh, my sideboard was bad, but uh, you just need to you need something to solve the sweeper problem. Like say you play against a deck like the one that Matt played, for example, and it's like I do not have a good plan against that. And I watched my friend Michael also playing Boros just get annihilated by a couple similar decks to that, where it's just like all right, lockdown, you sun fall you, like you just. You have no recourse, nothing you can really do. Yeah, seems like the right weekend for Boros might have been like two weeks ago, and that that trend is probably picking up quite a bit. Yeah, and also, like, I, I didn't realize this had happened, but Michael was messaging me on Saturday night about Blue White, so I feel like he, <laughs> he might have had a bad experience. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, it was it was not great. Uh, he and I were sitting next to each other at like one and one at one point, and you know I end up like getting the slot, and he just gets killed, and then is I don't know, just talking about how bad Boros is or whatever. And it's like I don't know, man. I'm I'm still doing okay. I'm still alive. I'm still winning. It's fine. But yeah, he probably didn't have as many turn two four fours as you did. No, it also looked like he was playing against like the the white decks like the temporary lockdowns more so than i was too powerful not a bad deck to be one of the better decks in a format for whatever that's worth yeah inherently beatable right like if i i think boros is pretty good game one against most things outside of like seven sweeper blue white or something but against any normal deck you are just doing a lot of stuff that they're not set up for like yeah they probably have like some counter spells some spot removal interaction stuff but you really need the lockdown type of things to to really stop them. And not a lot of decks are capable of doing that. Uh, I mean, I guess there's also, there's also like a blue-white mid-range deck that has like Doorkeeper Thrall. I'm like slightly interested in that, but I think I'd much rather be on the hard control side of things. Yeah, can I interest you in nine sweeper blue-white? Yeah, also that. That's fine too. This, this is reminiscent of like Dave's deck at SEG Dallas. Where the other ramp people were like, oh, I have like five sweepers. And Dave's just like, I have eight. <laughs> it, it, you need a lot to beat these decks to punish them. You really do. Um, and I know Ebes ended up playing blue black, but one of his experience, he couldn't get all the cards. So he ended up having like a couple of nightclubbers in his sideboard that like weren't supposed to be there. And he was like, they just crushed people. Yeah. Uh, I think Snook might have had a shieldred in the sideboard, whereas I had Show play a nightclubber instead as the sixth sweeper, basically. Like three path apparels, a nightclubber, two Gixis command. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's good against Boros, but, and it's also just great against Toxic, is really where it overperforms, right? Yeah. And I mean, even my Boros deck had three uh, in the festivities. So I was very wary of that stuff, very cognizant of it, you know? But I. In terms of finding the ways to beat it, that is way more difficult. And I'm working on it. Yeah. This is like your SCG Dallas story of you lent one of your friends a blue-white humans deck and then registered a whole bunch of nightclubbers in your sideboard. Yeah. Well, yeah, except it's the reverse this time, right? It's like yeah. I play Boros and I give Cho the deck that has all the sweepers in it. Yeah. Funny. But, yeah, I just I needed him to beat up on the other Boros people so that he could scoop to me in top eight, I guess. Yeah, Matt probably had the deck to of the week though, and started a dangerous trend. I think so too, and you got it to the point where, uh, between you winning and the fact that Joe had a cast twenty white spells quest on Arena, that he also started playing a little bit with your blue white deck. 
That is impressive. That's I. It takes some dedication to want to play this deck on Arena. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Also, I'm not sign. I'm not signing up for that. It doesn't cast twenty white spells very quickly either. No. No, that's why I was like, dude, just. No, it's not a good way to get the quest. <laughs> I was just like, play, play Boros or whatever. He's like, no, nah, I hate Boros. I was like, all right, cool, have fun. And then like we were supposed to go somewhere. Like he had to drop me back off so I could catch a ride back home, and. Uh, he was like, when do you need to leave? And I said, I, I don't know, about like, you know, five minutes. And he's like, uh, we may or may not make it. And he just like hit the start game button. I was like, no, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> but he died in like 10 minutes. So it was it was fine. A quick death in 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, why the hell did you do this? Why did you ruin standard? I, I mean, <laughs> the text is really good. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I think that. Uh, I mean, I think people are going to adapt to it and make it harder. And I have sort of a whole diatribe prepared, which I'm happy to launch into at any point. But like for this weekend, it was such a good deck because there's I don't think there was a single person in the tournament who had a long game that was better than just like a bunch of memory deluges. And when you have when you have complete inevitability and are able to just play a deck that is only answers, like it, it almost feels like deterministic in some matchups. And that's kind of how I felt. Like I played against ramp twice and game one is about like, I hope I don't accidentally deck myself. Yeah. Because you like, they have like about 16 cards that are capable of dealing you damage and you just answer all of them. And then they deck themselves. And I just did that twice. And, like, that's just a really bizarre form of magic that doesn't come up that often. But when it does, it's, like, really powerful. I mean, the last time I can remember something like that, it, you know, was, like, the Elixir of Immortality decks or whatever. This is not that, right? Like, people can build their decks in a way where you don't have that kind of inevitability. But the decks that people are currently playing in Standard, you do. Yeah, they, like no one, no one has, like, really even conceived that this is a possible enemy, right? So, except me, because I lost to it in the top eight of the one other RCQ I played this season. Kind of, and yeah. I, I mean, your your opponent was Esper, right? Right, but, but it was the same thing. It was like they figured out, hey, I I don't have to kill you. I just have to not die. Yeah, I'll, I'll and I can kill you with Mirex or whatever. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, basically, bunch of sweepers. I didn't play any hard counters in the main deck. That's obviously something that's going to need to change, especially if the mirror picks up in popularity. Um. But felt really far ahead against Boros. I felt really far ahead against any of the like mid-speed decks i played against the blue white um you know mid-range deck that has like wedding announcements and wandering emperors and white virtues or whatever and that just felt like a really good matchup because they're not fast enough to cheese me out and not disruptive enough to like actually play a long game with me um ramp felt really really good my one match loss was to Mono Red. And I, I told you guys about this, but I just like completely threw away a winnable game. Um, 
I think that matchup is is probably one of the harder ones just because they they do have the ability to just come out so fast and if you don't have lockdown on three it's it can be tough but um uh the the match i played in the tournament was lost due to my own bad play more than anything else yeah. like i i don't think i played very well this weekend i think i was ahead on deck and i played okay but yeah it was it's fun i i know i know people are gonna hate it that it exists um but i <laughs> it's well documented that i i enjoy this type of deck so i had a blast yeah and you did not come very close to going to time or, or anything like that also right uh no no i mean i the, i played i played a match where i was like i won game one and i was you know i was a mortal lock to win game two but we were far away from finishing it sure and then ev- and then everything else finished like well within time yeah. So I, yeah, either, either you're like winning one O because the game takes a long time or you're finishing like two or three games pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, I did. Right. Exactly. I mean, I did play two matches where if, if I had lost game two, we would have drawn. Sure. Um, you know, I played a blue white mirror where we finished with, I don't know. We played a really, really long game one. I decked him. We finished with, I don't know, maybe like 18 minutes left on the clock. And then you just didn't play a third land game too. So it was like, we didn't really get to see how that was going to play out. So for the mirror, there's like Field of Rune, uh, four Restless Language, two Mirex, four Mm -hmm. Wandering Empire, Emperor as like the relevant cards pretty much. Yeah, I only had one Mirex. I certainly would. That was just a mistake. Okay. Um, But, uh, you know, yeah, those are... Those are the relevant cards. Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, you know, it's it's Carlos Romao Psychotog game one where like people might pick a fight over Deluge or whatever, and that's just a huge mistake. Yeah. Like you just it's there's yeah. <laughs> there's like nine cards that matter and almost all of them are lands. So it's it's truly bizarre. <laughs> So then what is what is the way to get an edge potentially? I mean, I the I realm breaker. Yeah, so that so that this is the this is the problem is that this okay, here's my diatribe. Um this deck is only good because it can't because it doesn't play win conditions. And the reason why I say that is that you don't have any cheap card filtering, right? All of your card draws expensive stuff like memory deluge. And you play 27 lands. And so, like, the only way that you can guarantee that you're going to be able to consistently interact with your opponent on the first few turns of the game is by only playing cards that do that. Yeah. Because if you have 27 lands and then you have a few win conditions and then you have some spin your wheel stuff like Deluge and um, Deduce or whatever, like, it's conceivable that you just, like, don't have enough stuff to interact with them. And I think that it, there's like a very real cost to even cutting like a couple of your interactive cards for threats because you just like it makes it increasingly less likely that you're going to be able to interact with your opponent on turns two through four. And if you don't do that, it's really hard to win. And so I think that what is going to happen is that people are going to try to do silly stuff like put Holebreaker Horror in their deck or whatever. And 
those things will be effective in the mirror but i don't think that they'll fully appreciate how many percentage points they're losing like in everywhere else like it, it gets to a point where you're making your deck just like kind of a bad deck and so i think the post sideboard games are really interesting like seed shark is really good by the way that's a card that i've have i have historically been very low on and it was unbelievable in this deck. okay um like oh massively overperformed in ways that like that's a card i've played in a lot of different sideboards never been super impressed with it it felt really good here um i think you can play like malevolent hermit type stuff uh if i were playing a tournament tomorrow and you told me there was going to be a lot of the mirror i would probably just have like three mirexes or something people should yeah. play more mirex in standard agreed and pioneer yeah um <laughs> <laughs> I'm clicking around on on decks, and I see most people have like one Ezrim. Uh, Sean Gallagher <laughs> had uh, Hornlock Whale, which yeah. I, I think is fine because that's technically a win condition, but mostly an interactive spell. But you, but it's also not real. It's not a win condition in the control mirror. It's not because like you, you just turn on their Sunfalls. Like now, their Sunfall actually does something it, relevant. Yeah, right. So that's kind of the like that that's the tension right like there there are like win conditions you can play that are okay at winning the game in matchups that aren't the control mirror i think those are mostly unnecessary and worse than just like beating them with whatever the type of cards that you need to put in your deck to be able to specifically beat the mirror are the type of cards that are like a snickers wrapper against every other person yeah like a jace that's yeah J- jace is a, i mean jace is a really good example again a lot worse after sideboard when people have negates and maybe tide binders and whatever um and also just the ability to kill you with seed shark like the po- the post-war games are so different yep um you know if you told me this is like I, this is gonna sound psychotic if i played this deck like my list of the deck at a open deck list tournament next week and I sat down and my opponent had Holebreaker Horror in their deck, I would just concede game one and then beat them in two sideboard games. No, I'm done with that. Like, like we're going to play 40 minutes and you're eventually going to beat me and then I can't possibly win. Yeah. So I'm just going to like skip that part and acknowledge that the only way I'm going to win is if I beat you in the two sideboard games where I have, I actually have the ability to win. Yeah, and there's, uh-huh. there's, there's no point to even wasting like three minutes to make sure like, oh yeah, my opponent did in fact make their third land drop. Yeah, you know, I mean, okay, just like, you're, you maybe, might need the maybe you do that, right? Maybe maybe you at least see if they mulligan to four or whatever, right? Like, that's probably worth it because you can spend a little bit of time thinking about how you want to sideboard and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it's it's really it's really interesting. Uh, I, I think Ezrim's pretty bad. I wouldn't play that. Um. I, yeah. It looks. It has a lot of words on it. It looks like it would be a good card. I think it's just not a constructed playable card. I mean, putting fun mythic rares in your sideboard is always like what these control decks like to do. Yeah, but it, it's a regular rare, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, regular. Yeah, sorry, Dave. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It just it it looks like it does a lot of stuff, but it 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 you know. It's like oh, I'm kind of a Bane Slayer, and I'm kind of a Sphinx of Dwar Isle, and I'm kind of a mold drifter but it's like it does all of those things badly yep um jerry did you stumble on the challenge on sunday there was the standard challenge on sunday 
there were three blue white control decks that top aided. So clearly there's a trend here. But uh, I have not checked deck list because I've just been doing other stuff. I'm oh, looking now though. Sh- sure. So, so the, check out the deck that finished third. So it's it, it looks like a regular blue white control deck, except it has Jace in it instead of Wandering Emperors. And then the sideboard is really the interesting part. It has 15 angels. And it's just a transformational sideboard into a blue white angels deck. <laughs> and I kind of love it. Yeah, this deck is absolutely wild. This see, this is the type of stuff where it's like, who do I do? I really want to put myself through this. Yeah, yeah, this is weird. I mean, I don't fully get it because I feel like the Wandering Emperor, Emperor almost fits better here than it does in the other version. Well, I think the plan is you do the Jace thing, game one, to beat the mirrors. I, I like how the mana base also has like three Cavern of Souls. And no creatures. Yeah, and the deck has no creatures. It's just like, well, if you just think about it, well, you probably assume that something's coming out of the sideboard. But uh, yeah, and then, I don't know, you just hope that they cut everything and then you steal one of the two games with your angel stuff. But I don't know, 15 angels doesn't even seem better than like having like two negates on top of some of those angels. Yeah, the the thing that I really struggle with this decklist is zero temporary lockdown. Yeah, I don't like that. That's the it four, feels like it feels like you can just do this. It has four depopulate, four sunfall, zero lockdown. Yeah, four union of the third path, which like maybe buys you the extra turn. Yeah. I mean the pro the thing is lockdown is just so good at answering some of the other stuff, right? Like yeah. you know, it's incubator tokens and it schooners. Like there's just a lot of there's a lot of sticky permanence that that lockdown is good against. No lockdown, and it plays a fog, a three mana fog. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I doesn't make a ton of sense, but there is a lot of nonsense going on here. Well, the eerie interference can protect your angels post board, I guess. I don't know. But if you're playing challenges or RCQs this weekend, I would certainly be prepared to play against blue white control because it certainly seems to be the new hotness. So, Dave, you mentioned Realm Breaker, and I know that that was popping up in our Discord. Uh, this does not seem particularly good to me in a world where the decks have, like, three to four marches and, like, negates and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think... I think that, like, it is some... I In practice, probably not, and you're probably right. Um, it I, I, I like it as, like, a statement of the game is about Murex, and it, like, is a clever way of, like, returning Murexes to play, but, like... In reality, you're right. It's just like a three mana spell that's probably going to trade for a counter spell. And there's probably plenty of three and four mana sorceries that all demand an answer like that post board and also do things in other matchups. Yeah, I mean, this this is pretty similar to Jace where it would be good in game one, certainly, or at least better. But in the post board games, if people have like seed sharks and negates, then is the game actually about Realm Breaker? It's not. That's yeah. that's the, yeah. I don't I don't think the sideboarded games are about the same stuff, which is why I would I would commit to the concede game one strategy. Like I, I think I I think all of these other things it, it just you're making your deck enough worse against other people. Um, and like I don't know, maybe that's a little bit off the deep end, and it it's only something you can do if you feel confident that you're you you're behind <laughs> have we talked about getting anthony wind on this podcast at all oh i explained this to jerry two weeks ago but it was not on the podcast yeah not on the cast so uh 
Anthony Huynh is a, a local Boston player. He's played in a couple of PTs. Um, really nice guy. And a, a, a lover of control decks. And, you know, the, the sort of like New England magic scene, PTQ scene, was known for being super control heavy. And Anthony would just always show up to the tournament with a, a control deck with like nine more cards for the mirror than everyone else. Like in a way where it was, I was always like, like how, like you have more cards than you, like he had more cards in his sideboard than he had would have bad cards to take out. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it was like, it was just making a statement about like, I know what this tournament's going to be about and I know who I want to be. Preposterously Um, over the top. Yeah. And some of this stuff feels like that. Um, And so, and those arms races are always really dangerous. And I think that that is, you, you are certainly going to see a decline in blue whites win rate against the field over the course of the next few weeks and i think it's mostly going to be about the blue white players making their decks worse more than it is about the non-blue white players making their decks better yeah i mean this was also a thing that they looked at and paid attention to when i was in r&d with things like gain say where it's just like well either you you know, like say blue becomes very good, like in the the mono blue devotion era, right? Mm-hmm. And now your sideboard has a bunch of gainsays, and in like the psychotog era, occasionally there would be like main deck gainsays. Like the presence of there being sideboard cards for mirror matches, or just like cards that you can turn to in general for mirror matches, is this sort of like self correcting thing because if the deck becomes too good and they start playing all of these cards to beat up on each other, their win rate is going to go down against everything else anyway. Yeah, bangers yeah. in the mirror and Snickers wrappers against other things. Yep. So yeah, yep. that is and that's just inevitably going to be true. I think in in most situations, most formats. I think that is it's certainly true in in all sort of like, hey, there's a really good deck and people are attacking it type situations. I think it feels a little bit exacerbated when the deck is slow and therefore like game one carries so much more weight. Because the likelihood that you're able to play the other two games is kind of low, true, um, and that that just presents a it presents a different a a sort of like a different prisoner's dilemma. Yeah, I mean, I I would probably try to do the thing where it feels deterministic, but in the smallest way possible. You know, yep. not not do what the the Boston guy did, where it's like I'm going to play ten cards and just like clown you wall. It's like I I want to play like however many Jaces or whatever card we determine is the best thing to be doing, or like how many copies of Mirex do we need to make game one deterministic, and then uh, hopefully that does not impact the rest of your matchups that negatively. You know? Yeah. I would be really I would be really interested to play four Mirax against one Holebreaker Horror and figure out who actually wins that. Um because obviously Mirax sounds like the freest thing you can do. Make your mana a little bit worse, maybe just add a twenty eighth land, and like you're all of a sudden you're still the same deck, but you have more inevitability in the mirror. Yeah. That seems reasonable to me. I don't know. Part of me wants to try to win the arms race. Part of me wants to just avoid it at all costs. Yeah, that's I mean, what uh, most people will do. You know, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be 
Like it's it's standard, and we're talking about this deck like it's some unbeatable monster, right? It's just a good deck, and it was a really good deck for this weekend. And I don't know that it's even the best deck for next weekend necessarily. It's a certainly a valid choice, and I think if if you ever catch people on a week where they're unprepared for it, it feels like I said, sort of deterministic in some matchups, but we're we're not we're not talking about some broken thing yeah it probably can't exist as the best deck in the format for any extended period of time right just given the nature of how it's built yeah and it it, it almost feels like the perfect storm where like last weekend or the weekend before was like the boros week and this deck both like has a bunch of cards that beat up on boros as well as like everybody else is adding lockdowns and nonsense to their deck which is great for us yeah, I was having a conversation with someone this weekend about free wins. And I people always I, I think in kind of a condescending way, like to be like, oh, like I'm not that prepared for this tournament. I'm gonna play an aggro deck and get some free wins because I'm gonna curve out and not give people, you know, not give people a chance. Um I think that pure control decks like this are the decks that get the most free wins. Like you, you get paired against someone who put one too many Doom Blades in their deck, and they just they're mulligan to five before the match started. Um, and and those feel I those feel really free, and so I think that's kind of what this to your point, Dave. That's what this weekend was. It was a bunch of people overreacting to Boros, and you were just we were just on the other end of the spectrum yeah i mean you're you're the deck that mostly dominates boros and then you just like dominate all the mid-range decks that are trying to beat up on boros too yeah so what what is what is a deck that is like naturally good against blue white i think that (laughs) nothing obvious comes to mind i think so i think something like red is has a lot of capability against blue white. I think I'd still rather be on the blue white side, but out of out of all of the like fast decks, that is the deck I'm the most scared of. I still think that it's you you can probably build blue black in ways that make it a favorite against blue white. You're you're just giving up on a lot of the other stuff that blue black is currently doing to be good against the other decks right like i think blue black it classically is the style of deck where you can build it to be good against creatures you can build it to be good against control it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to do both and so like i i think that's a that's easily a deck that that i there's a list out there that i don't want to play against with blue white um whether that's good enough to beat other stuff i think it's kind of up in the air but if if you're going to a tournament expecting a bunch of blue white, yeah, just play a blue black deck that sideboards its anti creature cards and main decks its anti control cards instead of the other way around. Fair. Uh, what about green black? I don't I don't know enough to comment on green black. Okay. I feel like sort of like weird weird slow mid rangey deck. And I kind of have a hard time believing it, but maybe. Well, for for example, like they could play Liliana of the Veil. I imagine that card is quite good against you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. is it though? You have like a lot of counter spells. Even if it resolves, you have like four March, four get lost. March can't kill it. 
Oh, March is not Planeswalker. Yeah, but Get Lost can. So if that card, if that picked up, you would probably want to have four Get Lost and some or something. Yeah, but in in terms of counter spells, there's only the Mana Leak, at yeah. least in Matt's version. Yeah, yeah, that sounds. I mean, that definitely sounds like a card that's that's troublesome. It's also like sometimes good against the Seed Sharks too, right? Sure. Like it makes it that you can't really play them early. Well, I think that's really important because it's a threat and an answer to seed shark. And like, that's kind of this like dilemma that you have post board against this is like, you can't have no answers to seed shark in your deck post board, but at the same time you can't afford to have a doom blade in your deck. Yeah. It's the classic control deck sideboarding and creatures juke where if they keep in a card to kill it, the worst case is that they one for one. And the, the other two cases where you draw their thing, you draw your thing and they don't draw a removal or they draw their removal and you don't draw your thing are both so good for you. Yeah. So you kind of win either way. But to your point, yeah, if you can find a card like Liliana or or something else that sort of is modal and functions as an answer and a threat, then that's that's how you can kind of like reverse reverse that trend. Yeah, I'm just scrolling down looking at decks from these challenges and it's like one of the green black decks had three Liliana's main and then the fourth in the board. And then there's, there's stuff like Rakdos uh, that I'm also seeing like Liliana again, where certainly you would not see that, you know, a month ago, but I think green black overall seems a little bit more solid than red black, at least into blue white specifically. And also in terms of, being able to beat up on the Borosi things still. Like, probably not in game one, but at least in the post-board games. Yeah, my instinct would be that Blue, Black, or Esper, one of the mid-rangeier decks that has the ability to play some amount of flash threats and counter spells, if they're not hyper-targeted against the aggro decks, is where you kind of want to be. But to Matt's point earlier, I don't think you can build those decks to be reasonable against control and Boros at the same time or anything close to that you kind of have to pick one yeah and i i think that is it i think you just pick one and hope that that works out like for chicago for the 75k for example i feel like there is going to be a lot of blue whites but it's also not the type of deck that like any single person can just pick up and play so I don't know. I it, I probably wouldn't be trying that hard to beat it in game ones, at least in in that kind of event. But like Magic Online would be a a different scenario, I think. Yeah, and to be clear, like I think anyone can pick it up and play it. I think people just don't want to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, like th- this version of the deck specifically does not seem that difficult to play. No, it is. It is, but like, <laughs> it is very straightforward. It is not. It's not a, it's not one of the like, right? And there's no switching roles, which I think is one of the harder things to figure out with these decks. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's I think it's a pretty simple deck to play, and uh, a lot of people, if they wanted to pick it up, could do pretty well with it. But you're signing yourself up for an experience that people, understandably, don't want to don't want to opt into. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't. On the surface, I don't hate the thought of any of it except for the mirrors. The mirrors are the only thing that are giving me like anxiety. Well, play play four mirrex or whatever you determine is the best thing to do. 
And I might just sign up for a different experience. Yeah. I mean, that that's what I'm interested in doing. I, I much rather prefer to be the person that is trying to exploit the situation, not try and do the thing that was good two weeks ago and like whether or not it is also good this week is in question, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, standard is wild. I There is so much depth to this format and there are so many good things that you can be doing. I don't know. I'm a little sad that I don't have an incentive to play it in three weeks because I think it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how it involves how it evolves. Well, I will say my desire to put effort into the format and try to qualify and win an RCQ like could not have gone up more than it did over the past <laughs> week. It is uh, pretty funny that three of us got invites. It's absurd. That's Especially if I we were just at an RC where, like, I went with five friends and none of them were qualified. Well, that'll probably change for the next one. And I guess since it's Dallas, like, Ebes lives pretty close in Austin. So he he was kind of, like, incentivized to try and qualify anyway. Yeah. And right. At, so Janet, my wife, has, like, a bucket list to hit every baseball park in the country. And she's done, you know, two thirds of them. Damn. But there's two in Texas that she's missing. So right after I'm ranting to her about how all of you won while I stayed at home and, you know, did chores, um, she's sending me screenshots of the baseball schedules the week <laughs> of the RC. So uh, that's basically a golden ticket to, to attend the RC. Yeah. So you're locked into going presumably, but whether yes. or not you qualify or we have, you have to do the thing that me and Matt have been doing, which is like LCQing yet to be determined. We shall see. But it helps that standard is also just like absolutely awesome. I mean, it has to be better than anybody expected. Josh and I both had a lot of fun, mostly because it's been a while since we played lower power formats. Like if, if you are good, if you have the reps, if you have been playing Magic for a long time, it's so hard to lose, you know? I, I also just love the... I love the deck building and metagame evolution with the smaller card pool right and something like modern you know it's like you're deciding what threat to play and it's like okay they could have bolt so maybe i should play a four toughness creature but like oh they could just have path or unholy heat or prismatic ending or ley line binding or whatever and so like it kind of doesn't really like matter what you do in the context of what other people is doing. It matters if the thing you're doing is good. Um, and like, yeah, maybe you put some like really specific sideboard cards in your deck or something like that. In standard, it's like, oh, there's there's temporary lockdown, which is just like <laughs> the best interactive card by so much. And then there's a bunch of like really good three drops and it's not a coincidence that a bunch of the good decks are like preacher gicks rafine decks or whatever yeah you know and so i i just think about other standard formats where it's like oh there's a really good shock so play creatures with three toughness or like the best doom blade is doom blade so play black creatures like those are the types of things that exist in standard that you don't really find in the higher power level formats because there's always just an acceptable substitute for whatever it is that you're trying to like play around. Looking at this other standard challenge, blue black one, 
And it has like Ledger Shredder, Lazav, and three Cryptic Coats. It was very weird. Is Cryptic Coat actually good? I don't think so, but it has been in a lot of winning decks. Like, I bought two of them just in case. I mean, it's super cool. Don't get me wrong. And if it was good, that would be sweet. And, like, I fully understand the text of the card and, like, the engine behind it. It just seems like so much mana. I don't really get it. Yeah, and, like, you have you have the creature lands, you have the Murexes, and, you know, this, this person played, like, basically the same amount that I've been, like, three Restless Leaf, two Murex, 25 land. Also have, like, Odawara, Takanuma, you know, you, like, you have a bunch of stuff to do with your mana. Yeah. Feels more cute than good to me. I think so, too, but... I don't know, people keep putting in their decks and winning with it, so... Well, it looks like a lot of fun for whatever that's worth, right? Yeah. It's almost certainly that, you know? We're talking about signing up to play, I don't know, 14 rounds of blue-white is maybe not the the funnest experience that you could sign yourself up for. Well, I don't know, cryptic coding over the course of 14 rounds is probably pretty fun. Yeah, you get some you get some sweet unmorphing something that people <laughs> were not expecting to be their stories if you play enough with that card. Yeah, yeah, good story time. Yeah. My instinct is if you're cryptic coding though, you're probably not playing 14 of the rounds, but Ooh. We'll see. Matt, how were the sunken citadels? Uh they they were good. Uh I mean, I think that like they're kind of free. Right, you don't have that many other tap lands, and they're a poor intimidation of a dual land, but they do fix your mana a little bit. Um, and I mean, you between the field of ruins and the anchorages and the murex and everything, like they made two mana a lot. Um, the control mirror I won, I played Citadel on turn one, I played some other land on turn two, and then I just played a murex on turn three and started making tokens. And he didn't draw field for a really long time. And I didn't win the, the game with Mirax. <laughs> I didn't win the game with Mirax, but I put so much pressure on my opponent that he was forced to like use his cards really awkwardly and inefficiently. And it made it so that I was able to play out the long game in a way where I was like pretty confident that I could win just because I, f- I forced him to like jump through all these hoops. Yeah. And if I had had a second Mirix in my deck and drawn it at any point, I got him to, I think, eight poison. So it it might have been reasonable if I had had the second one that that's how I would have won that game. Huh. Um. So yeah, I think, Citadel, I think Citadel's good. I, you probably can't play more than a couple just because tap lands are a real cost and you have a lot of basics. And so sometimes, like... If you draw, I don't know, if you draw, like, Citadel, Plains, Field of Ruin, you're forced to field something that you maybe don't want to field to fix your mana. And so I I think playing too many of them can get risky. Yeah, if we're trying to make room for more Murex, does that make us want Citadel more or less the same? It's kind of awkward because it's almost like the flex land slot, but it also plays so well with Murex that... I mean, it... It plays well with it, but it also makes, you know, say you are not playing the the blue-white surveil land because you're playing more citadels and more murexes or whatever. Then you're drawing a bunch of, like, murexes and citadels and you have access to, like, U-dub colorless colorless or something. It's like, well, I can't really cast my spells, but I guess I can churn out these one ones. Sweet. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't play. I didn't play any surveillance. Fair. I'm. I'm just like looking at like other deck lists too. But. Yeah. Um. But. Yeah. I. I think. <laughs> Dave, it would not surprise me if 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 you were to go all the way to like the crazy four Murex route, you probably actually end up cutting the citadels. As silly as that sounds. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. What I was the conclusion I was coming to. Yeah. was it's almost impossible to build the mana base with four Mirex without doing that or something else that also feels crazy. I think you could also cut like the fourth field of ruin. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's probably that's probably the direction you would end up heading. I don't know that I would go to four right away. Like I said, I would have to be convinced that four Mirex beats whatever other silly things people are doing for the mirror for that to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah, it seems crazy because, like, if you agree Mirex is the thing to be doing in the mirror, at least in game ones, and you really want to beat them, you can't cut a field of ruin because that's almost like your answer to their Mirex, right? So, yeah. But again, if you, if that's, if you're, if that's your only win condition, you would rather have more Mirexes and less fields. Fair. Like, if you had another thing that was capable of winning the game, if you were if you weren't worried about them having whatever the Trump is, then yeah, you would I think you would just lean more heavily on having fields. The other thing that's awkward about field, and this comes up a lot, is that like sometimes you have to play it to make your land drop, and then they can like field your field. Um, even if it's throwing away a land to do that to protect their Mirex later. So like Sometimes drawing a field early doesn't actually do what you want it to do because you kind of need to like sandbag it. Yeah. It is reminiscent of the search for Escanta mirrors. Or the drowning yard days. How how bad is devious cover up? <laughs> um probably can you win with only one? Uh, well, you could in theory if you played on like turn ten after like you know, your Mirex and like a field of ruin have died, right? Yeah. So I don't think you necessarily have to loop them. Uh, but you you could in theory play two. I think that that is pretty bad, but playing, yeah. playing one doesn't sound like the worst if you don't want to go down the route of like playing 28 land for Mirex. It's interesting. It sounds Yeah, it sounds all right. I mean, it is pretty close to a blank piece of cardboard against everyone else, right? Eh, yes and no. I don't know. I would kill for a Gaia's Blessing. I don't know if there's anything like that in Standard. No, not really. Like, when Dave brought up the, the blue-white deck that had the angels in the sideboard and there were, like, two cards I didn't recognize in the main deck, I was expecting one of them to be some weirdo, like, shuffle your graveyard in thing. And it was yeah. just, like, a fog and a bounce spell. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, is there like a clear the mind or anything? I don't know. No, um, I think I think that that would be a pretty easy answer. I think it is probably just a devious cover up. Yeah, and then I don't know. Maybe you play a third Murex or something, but whatever. If I play this weekend, what should I play? I I mean I think you should I think you should still play blue white. I don't think I don't think people are gonna react that quickly. Like yeah, especially in paper, it's hard to get the cards. Um. You know, and I think even if you do play against someone who's playing the mirror, their list probably is not that more prepared for the mirror than I was last weekend. Maybe a card or two. 
So I yeah, I would just play blue white. I think I think there's another two week window for this. Um talking about people we want to qualify for Dallas, like I mailed my blue white deck to Chase today. So nice. he can go play RCQs in Phoenix. So hopefully hopefully we get some more attendees for Dallas. Efficient. Very efficient. That's funny. I, I didn't mail my Boros deck to anyone, nor did I have anyone ask, which is I think pretty reasonable. Yeah, blue white seems fine. I think for RCQs, people will probably be slow to adapt. I imagine the Chicago thing will be a little bit different. It'll be a lot of tryharding going on, you know. Yeah, that's a place where, at least on the day two metagame, I would definitely expect a lot more evolution and something a little bit closer to the Magic Online metagame. Yeah, which is going to evolve and change a lot quicker. Yep, and I don't know. That'll be interesting to see, I guess. Uh, and then. People presumably will start copying deck lists from that thing. We'll Someone's just... got to figure out something that's that's good, right? I mean, there's too many like weird, powerful mythic rares for there not to be something out there that's going to be a real thorn in the side for this deck. I just don't know what it is off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like most of the mythic-y type stuff is like doing kind of like the reanimator stuff or whatever, which is still pretty easy for like a blue white deck to beat in my mind. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, Liliana definitely seems pretty good. So if you're playing, you know, black mid rangey aggro kind of thing, I guess that could be just another thing that blue black does also if they wanted to. Uh, yeah. Like making, making your aggro deck not as reliant on like going wide. So doing things like maybe playing mono red instead of Boros. I mean, what about insidious roots? That to me is like if somebody was going to break it or you told me somebody broke the format, that's got to be like one of the cards that comes to mind, right? Yeah, I thought about that too, but lo Lockdown is... Yeah, it's hard for that uh, card to be good. Yeah, yeah Lockdown, March, Get Lost, March. Well. Yeah. And the, the rest of their deck is not really doing anything too threatening either, right? Yeah, there's so much accidental hate for it. Card is absurdly powerful though. No, for sure. Like, yeah, if I mean, you're... It's if there is a way for you to like play it and also maybe protect it, uh, and a way that you could do that pretty easily, then I would be a little bit more on board. People are going to forget about it for probably like a year because I think, yeah, while that card is league, while that card is in centered alongside lockdown and farewell and some of the other stuff, it's, it's probably hard to believe that it could be good. And then, like, there's going to be a rotation, and people are going to forget about it, and there's going to be some great Insidious Roots stack. We just have to wait 18 months or something. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so long. <laughs> it's so yeah. weird. I, I was watching, like, random NRG coverage on Sunday, and there was a standard tournament, and it was, like, round two, and Sam Black popped up at 1-0 with an Insidious Roots stack, and I was just like, here we go. But did not go smoothly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Sam went like five and three or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just got the the games were not very competitive that I watched. Sure. I mean, his deck just like didn't draw roots and didn't really do anything. It was like, yeah, a format where if you don't draw roots, your deck looks significantly worse, and there's a lot of incidental ways to kill it. Not probably a good recipe. Yeah, at least Convoke has a lot of payoffs in a lot of different ways. So your your one mana, one power things are actually contributing to something. 
Sam's maybe not so much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like this format well enough. The the games were fun. It was interesting. Felt like I had agency even playing like my, my silly token beatdown thing. I liked it. Maybe you should mail me your Goro stack. I mean, I could. I'm pretty lazy. I'm also yeah. like leaving for Chicago tomorrow at 7 a.m. So, is there anything that could happen that would get you to play in the tournament in Chicago, Jerry? Well, I also think that it's capped. I can check. I didn't want to have the Vegas thing happen where I was signed up for the thing uh, and then I couldn't go. So I was like, oh, I don't want to just like sign up. Uh... People want Grand Prix, and even if this isn't capped, it's got to be close to it. So let that be a sign. All right. If I could figure out how to actually like find the event, that would be that would be one thing. I'm not going to wait around. This is going to take me like 20 minutes to find it, probably. Yeah. If any if any podcast listeners can help Jerry sign up for no. for the center tournament in Chicago, that would be appreciated. It's not what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you'll get an Arena Deckless podcast deck box. Yeah, I am gonna have. Uh, a limited amount of deck boxes and sleeves to give away in Chicago. So, folks, if you are if you are patrons, come find me. Got some nice little goodies on the inside too. If only you were like registered for the tournament, so they could check a number, a table number that you would be at predictably. No, one of the people in the Discord asked if Elena Danner's booth was a reasonable place to try and find me, and I think that, that is true. Yeah, that seems re- very likely. But yeah, if nothing else, I mean, just like tweet at me or Discord me or something. Uh, now I am on the MagicCon Chicago website looking at the events. And it just takes me to the Melee homepage, which doesn't have goddamn anything on it. Uh, this, this probably should not be this hard. That would be my guess. Yeah. First place is 15K. Eighth place is 2K. That is just such a big disparity. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't know why these things are still so top-heavy. It's kind of absurd. Also, the tournament's $150 to register for. Yeah. Plus, you have to buy a badge. Yep. And if you just finish in 49th place, you get $250, which I assume the badge is 100 bucks. Yeah, fifty dollars. You you basically break even at fiftieth place in a one thousand plus person tournament. This is absurd. Are yeah, you? That's that's steep. I know that obviously the limited one in Vegas was expensive, but I you know that's more common because of product. And so, hundred fifty dollars for a standard tournament feels kind of. Outrageous. I remember people complaining about fifty. Oh, what the hell? There's only two hundred and fifty people registered. Whoa. Okay. Well, it sounds like you should play. Yeah, it sounds like you have to play now. Um, is that a second one? Did did like the first one cap, and they opened up a second one or something? I don't know. I don't think so. So like day one starts on Friday. I don't think I'm doing anything Friday. Well, yeah, a Friday start seems like a big deterrent. That's a weird. Do they really need to do that? Uh, yeah, I guess day three is just like Sunday is the top eight. So eight rounds, six rounds, cut the top eight on Sunday. Kind of weird. Yeah, kind of weird. You could play a Secret Lair Showdown and win me some cool cards. I would much rather do that. Just like playing a couple of those instead of like one big event, you know? Do we, did they give out all the brainstorms? Do we know what what they're giving out now? Yeah, I think it's Dark Ritual now. As the like big 
Prize? Yeah, I think so. And then did they replace the Ragavan with something, or is it still Ragavan? I'm Merc-tide. looking. Wait, Murktide's what you get for signing up. Yeah. Participation is Murktide. First place, Dark Ritual. Exclusive card. Uh, oversized Dark Ritual. Exclusive card. So it's just those two. And the other prizes is just a secret layer. I don't know what that means. Yeah, they're probably like varying degrees of desirability. It looks like there's also a spell. There's a spell pierce, maybe two. I don't know if I'm looking at the right thing. I don't know. The, the downside, one, Jerry, the big is, one is dark ritual. That's awesome. Yeah, the 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 all the secret layer showdowns are modern. No, it's great. I have packed my blazing root wallas. Oh God, I am ready to go. <laughs> this is the exact type of tournament to play those, where you get a bunch of bullets. No, exactly. Oh, so I got like four hundred dollars in store credit. Uh, so I I purchased two boxes of murders. Uh, also, like before the tournament started, I tried to purchase packs of Phyrexia All Will Be One in in order to crack them. Looking for Gleeful Demolitions, and they had like an important card to get. Yeah, and I had three. Yeah, yikes! They had six boosters, and that was it. And I whiffed. Uh, and I got the the remaining copy from Jarvis U. But uh. Yeah, no more, no more, more Phyrexia to buy. I bought some murders. I got, I got like one ley line. Cool. Uh, that does not get me anywhere closer to playing like a ley line scion deck. So I don't know. I'm, I'm packing Rakdos cards for modern. That's it. I respect it. But if you got a better idea for me, I would accept that too. Uh, no. I just don't really want to pay like thirty dollars for ley lines or whatever the hell they are. Dude, there's like a hundred people that will just give let lend you them. Um, but my modern brain is turned off until MH3, and I refuse to turn it back on. That is fair. Uh, what is what is the name of the ley line? Guild packs. Ley line of the guild packs. Okay, I found it. Uh, $19 currently. Not the worst, but... Eh, it's a lot. Not really a card I'm interested in spending $80 to... Yeah, because the Scions are also like 15 because of the I mean, ley line. They're probably going to be pretty good even after MH3. No, they're 12, I guess. It was like sub five. Yeah, I almost, I'm almost. i surprised I didn't buy these. I was thinking about buying these for a while. The Scions? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were like almost good for a long time. No, I know. And it's a mythic. It's like, what the hell? But it was like two bucks. I was just like, oh, it'll probably just always be two bucks. You know, who cares? It's a cool mythic too, right? For whatever that's worth. It is. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably one. That's probably one we should have seen coming. It's like classic example of a card that <laughs> it's just only gets better as they make the card pool bigger and print more multicolored things. And at some point, it's just going to be great. True. And I mean, it, it was they did hard it all to, at once. It yeah. was it was pretty hard to predict something like this leyline, but I agree. Yeah, this this leyline is outrageous. It also just pitches everything. What the hell? I don't I don't get it. Yeah. Any um predictions for the pro tour that we didn't mention is happening this weekend Nah, i predict that people will be playing pioneer and that no fun will be had yeah do you think there's uh what are the odds that there's something that happens in pioneer that is like not expected uh like are we just gonna see a bunch of phoenix and blue white control is that really what we're signing up for yeah and some rakdos maybe some amalia yeah you think there's any chance that people successfully do anything out of the ordinary 
I don't think so. Yeah, I was trying to convince myself that that was likely, and I will certainly be like excited to quickly peruse the deck lists once they become available, but I would not bet on it. Yeah. It's also funny to me that the energy thing had like five Phoenixes in top eight. Oh, yeah. Phoenix just dominated. And like, I thought like, oh, like Phoenix and Blue White are the better decks. So maybe Lotus Field is good. And they just printed a new red card that just like blows up Lotus Fields. It costs four mana, though. Yeah, I know. But they also get to like board in a bunch of counter spells and speed bumps. And yeah, I mean, they, they weren't playing any. Uh, Some people were, but. Well, well, I don't no, know about the NRG, but I saw a couple of them in the Magic Online lists. Okay, yeah, none none in the top eight. I looked at most of the Phoenix decks, and they're all just, like, the same. I mean, I'll tell you, if anybody is scared of Lotus Field, it, they certainly will start playing them, and that alone is enough to, like, keep that deck knocked down a little bit. Is, it, is that card even better than Alpine Moon? I think so. Well, Alpine Moon can just, like, get Pazajud or whatever. Yeah, they have so many answers to the moon. They also, like, are playing the new green thing that searches for a land or kills the moon. What card is that? The uh, green, green, green. Oh, the charm. The charm. It searches nice. For, you can search for non-basics with it. Oh. Yo, that's sick. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually good. Yeah, it is good. So are they playing, you, like, two or something? I think three. Damn. The stock list, I think, was playing three. Um, I just clicked on the top eight list from the challenge on Sunday, and they have four. Oh, my God. I love yeah. that. Let's go. Yeah. So, like, the play patterns are, like, you know, get a Lotus Field into play, use three green to play this, and go and search for, you know, your Thespian stage or whatever. And then it also just, like, doubles up as an answer to most of the hate cards against you. Sure. What are they not playing? I am not familiar enough with what the lists typically looked like to be able to tell you that. It's like the sorcery impulse shimmer something or other. Yeah, they're down to just like two impulse. They were at like five for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. That's you're right. This list has two impulse. No, no other card draw. Um, And then only two ultimatum, which I guess is maybe become kind of more common as people have gone the Chandra route. Um, yeah, somewhere between two and three always, but two is not uncommon. Yeah. This per- this person also has a main deck Dromoka, which is kind of cool. Huh. Yeah, I mean, sounds fun. Sounds like training wheels a little bit. Yeah, and they also have Leer. I feel like that. I feel like that's kind of a one or the other thing. But well, Leer's like a combo kill, right? And the Dromoka is just like a cheese you out card, right? You need you don't need a Leer to kill though, right? Or I guess no, you need you if you don't have Leer, you need the second Chandra. Is no, you is? need well, you need all three of the recoveries. Yeah, the recoveries. Oh, okay. Yep, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. So if, if you only have two recovery, you need a Leer. But I don't know. Lotus Field for me is very similar to Yogmoth, and it's a deck I played a bunch of games with, and I just don't know how to kill people with it. So <laughs> I'm just not gonna do it. Too old. Too old, makes my head hurt. I want to just do nice, honest, fair things. Like discard a blazing walla to a cookbook. Yeah. I'm a simple man. Somebody get Jerry to register for the tournament. You will get a deck box and some sleeves. No, dude. I So I figured it out. 
if you go to Melee, you, you click on tournaments, you just type in Chicago. There's only like 10 things that show up. One of them is the 75K. And if Are you registered? No. And if there's only 250 people registered right now. Yeah, you don't have to decide until the morning of. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I get to just max procrastinate. So awesome. if, if there is like something in standard that is spicy and catches your eye, is that going to be enough incentive for you to register? Yes, potentially. Uh, I am bringing Boros with me. I ordered cards for Boros humans. Don't ask. Uh, I left blue black stuff with Cho in case he, I don't know, felt the need to go play in an RCQ for some reason. Well, we Even though he said that he would never go to Dallas in his life. Um, so I don't, I don't know what it would have to be to entice me. We will see. Well, I hope you get the itch. I put my Pioneer deck together. I don't even think there are Pioneer events, so I don't know why I did that. But Well, Jerry, it's the Pioneer Pro Tour. Why would you think there would be Pioneer tournaments? Yeah, I don't know. Apparently looking, it's just standard modern. Like <laughs> It's kind of absurdly confusing. Yeah. So whatever. It'll be fun. I'll, I'll play some games for fun, like I did in uh, Denver with Legacy. I played more games of Legacy than I did of Modern. Anything else? Parting thoughts? Are we good? I'm I, I wish I was a little bit more excited to watch the Pro Tour, and I really hope that somebody does something different to give me more reasons to watch. Yeah, I'm only going to tune in if there's something some really cool deck or if one of my friends is doing really well on on Saturday. Um, But I don't know. Ho- hopefully one of those things happens. I'll take the under. Game. Good luck.